When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So we can't even use that anymore, this anymore, can we? Uh, no, I suppose not. I bet not. So this one, we're changing our bumper music, so this will have to go too. To find a new intro because, music. Which because uh, yeah. using this one for what six of the past eight years? <clears throat> six of the past eight years. But hey, uh, I wait till you tell. What did I tell you? Who Twitter pulled down now? It's unbelievable. Boy. Anyway, welcome to the family with. His mic's oh, no. not on. Oh, how embarrassing! Embarrassing. There he is. And the hackmaster, Ralph Troy Basher, MD. Alex Bernard Rasmussen. And Andy Bernard. We'll be right back, kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. for. <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Hey, Tommy. Still got the cone of silence? Why are we whispering? Because at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan, we're having a secret sale. I have a question. If it's a secret, how do people find out about it? Yeah, see your point. Missed it by that much. Okay, here's the deal. At Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we have our sign and drive, not one dime out of your pocket lease special on a new Rogue all-wheel drive or an Altima all-wheel drive. So it's a Walzer sign and drive, absolutely nothing out of pocket? Leave your checkbook, credit card, Venmo, PayPal, everything. Everything at home, zip. So what's the payment? That's the secret part. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or BurnsvilleNissan.com, type in KQRS in the search bar, and all shall be revealed. Seems like a lot of jacking around. Well, KQ listeners have been really good to us, so we thought this was a nice way to say thanks. Besides, winter's coming, and all-wheel drive will be really nice. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or Burnsville Nissan and type in KQ. I guess that's not so bad. Wow, high praise. I always like this song, Life in the Fast Lane. Good song. It is a good song. Everything. 
all the time. Still well, the best-selling album of all time. It is, yep. Eagles' greatest hits. That's what I hear. Really? Yep. Oh, by far. I too. don't know. How, it's so what? weird. You wouldn't think that that would be. Yeah, the Eagles. Like, I mean, everybody knows the Eagles and everybody likes the Eagles, but they're not as like there weren't like the Beatles or Elvis. Yeah, I mean, everybody was ask, crazy. Ask a hundred people what their favorite album is. You're probably going to get like yeah, twenty Thrillers, yeah. twenty of some Beatles album. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe five Eagles. If that. Yeah. That's weird. So I don't know. It's it's very weird. Indeed. It's surprising. So this outsold Thriller. Yeah. Yep. Let's it see. Did. Yep. Oh. It absolutely did. Right? I would have thought Twi- Thriller. Thriller is second, I believe. I oh. believe it is second. I'm pretty sure Let's it's second. Let's see. And Abbey Road? <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, there weren't as many people then. What? Yeah, there were not as many people back then. That's the big difference. Oh, apparently <clears throat> they've redone the numbers. Uh-oh. And, oh, okay. They added a whole bunch of different countries. The Eagles only released in five countries. Oh. Uh, Thriller released in many. And that brings its total up above the Eagles, actually. See, I just love that. They had to fix it so a honky band didn't win. Well. It's just uh, what this whole white thing. You want to talk about racist. This whole white thing. Mm. Well, everything is white, 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 white. My guy, good God. In the U.S., the Eagles' greatest hits is still by far the best-selling album. Not even close. Five million uh, copies. There you go. Gap. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. But then again, uh, there's not a whole lot of, you know, there's, there's some interesting ones on the top there. You know, you got uh, good ones back in black, of course. Mm-hmm. The bodyguard, which is, I guess, sure. But then you got. Uh, I guess, sure. Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Oh, God. Why not? Bad Out of Hell. And Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette is near the top. There you go. Despite yeah. being released in 1995. Hmm. Wow. I got I to gotta throw some stats by you as soon as you're done. I'm done. We're done. We're done. Okay. More stats. Okay. You ready? More stats. Uh, The world population 120 years ago in 1900. Yeah. 1.6 million. Billion. A billion. Excuse me. (laughs) 1.6 billion. Very surprised if it was a million. Actually, it was 5 million back in the year minus (laughs) 5,000. So that's good. So Is you're that right about many that. back then? I doubt it. They don't know how many people there were on Earth 5,000 years ago. How could they ago, possibly? Or 7,000 years ago, I guess it would be now. Yeah, there's no way. Um, okay, we'll just do this from, from my... Okay, 1951. In 1951, the uh, world population was 2.584 billion people. 2.584. And now it's what, nearing nine? Okay. And now it's uh, eight. Eight billion. Okay, so more than three times more people uh, in just 68 years. Yep. Yeah, that's a problem. Three times the population. I just did a bunch of study. Have you guys ever bothered to check into global warming and climate change? What do you mean check into Have you ever done any research on it, like by the numbers, not by just people's opinion in the Atlantic Monthly or whatever? I never go by people's opinion. (laughs) No, you can't go by people's opinion. Atlantic Monthly, exactly. Did you know that if we stay on our current course, uh, we might affect the uh, overall climate to a degree that would become uncomfortable in the next 200 years? 
They keep saying <laughs> the world's coming to an end in 10 years. I don't know why people believe that. I don't either. Why, why would you ever believe that? Well, people have stopped talking about that. It's not the panic of the month anymore. Now it's everyone's going to die from COVID. So yeah, I suppose that's People true. don't even care about climate change anymore. I haven't heard someone mention it in six, eight months. Well, do you know why that is? Because they only want to doomsay about one thing at a time. Well, they also can't doomsay about the United States because we're pretty much even keel. I think I think we're at 1%. I don't know yeah. if we're even keel. Well, 1%. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think the whole America's destroying the world thing is long de- yeah, so, so debunked ridiculous. that they can't even pretend anymore. It is absolutely ridiculous, the situation here. The uh, obvious answer is pointing to China and and India. They don't want to do it anymore because... And Africa, too. Yeah. It's China, India, and Africa that are doing all the polluting. There's no question about that. They don't want to talk about that, though. Well, and the reason they don't want to talk about that is their economies suck. China's economy is getting better. And they're saying, oh, it's really booming. It's not really booming the way they say it is. They're just trying to make Trump look bad. And again, I'm not defending Trump here. I'm just talking about how filthy the press is in the world. But, yeah, I did. I literally, 1% change in the next 200 years if we begin to, to and again, it's not us. It's China and India and Africa. Mm-hmm. The United States, Canada, even Mexico, actually even South America is nowhere near as bad as the Eastern uh, Hemisphere. So why don't we point fingers where they belong to be pointed? Why don't we bring up who really needs help, and that would be the Eastern Hemisphere? Yeah, why don't we get Greta over there? Yeah, Greta. Greta, take take a a, seat. She should should do uh, a tour there. Uh, She'd be executed, and she knows it. Now, one of the reasons I brought this up uh, is because they talk about... uh, how people are treated so differently and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. So 1951, the urban population of, uh, of the world, this is, right? Yeah, this is world population. The urban population of the world, this is, okay? In 1951, it was 775 million. Okay? Urban. Oh. That's urban only. So most of the people, about it looks to be about 1.4 billion people lived in the country in 1951. Huh. The urban population was 775 million people. Now, the population is 7.8 billion, and 4.4 billion of them live in urban areas. Jeez. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The urban population has grown to 50, 56% of the world's population mm-hmm. back in 1951. It was thirty uh, percent of the world's population. And this idea of living in a beehive in the middle of downtown is yes, a new thing. And then people wonder, you know, people always talk about like, oh, housing is so expensive. It's like, well, yeah, you live in a high-rise downtown. No one did that sixty years ago. No, that's exactly right. Nobody lived downtown unless they lived in some of the, you know, the, the on the edge there. What would be considered downtown, but wasn't downtown back when those buildings were built yeah, on the south exactly. side over there. And if, if you look at the worst, the worst pollution, the worst concentrations of pollution, it's all, it's all those cities. It yeah. is absolutely. It's all uh, very Mexico urban. City is a prime example. Although I don't know, if, it, where is Mexico City in the uh, size size ranking in the world? Mexico City was number one for a while. Oh, Mexico City's huge. Mexico yeah. City currently has... And they're in a lake lake bed, and it just, the pollution just sits there. It's not a healthy place. 8.9 million. Jesus. Jesus. That's 16,000 people per square mile. <laughs> it's the God. densest city in the entire world. Really? Yep. The densest. 
Even more than India? Oh, that's just the most dense Mexican city. Oh, well, the other you go. Oh, I see. Because I think some of those cities in India got a few people living in. Uh, well, yeah, let's see. Mumbai. In terms of densest per square mile, uh, India, India, Pakistan, Nigeria, China, South Korea, Taiwan, India. It's all in that yep. high pollution. Pakistan? Yeah. I don't yep. think anybody lived there. Karachi, Pakistan. Pakistan. I think that's probably the only place in Pakistan anyone does live. So. <laughs> that's probably true. The rest of the place is pretty desolate, <clears throat> yeah, they, I think. They yeah. got uh, 16 million people. So, hey, in just that one city. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. What more could you ask for? But, uh, yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of research on this because I was talking to some people about this, that, and the other thing. And and uh, very little of what our climate uh, people are talking about in the United States, the panic that's going on, uh, 99% of it has nothing to do with the United States, nope. including gas consumption and oil consumption. Yep has nothing to do with the world's climate po- problems. And, oh, all that oil is in the Middle East. And coal yeah. coal consumption, huge coal consumption yeah. in uh, India. Yep. And, and when they when they said, oh, you got to cut back on your pollution, and, and, and uh, the, the economic minister in India said, uh, you can't wish coal away. No, you can Because that's cannot. all we got to bring population out of <laughs> yeah, uh, for real. poverty. Right. Well, and that's the whole argument. Until the the economies of India and China and most of Africa catch up, this is not going to stop. They're going to keep polluting until they get rich. Basically, that's what they're 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 striving to make a lot of money. So I need to buy more five hour energy because that's an Indian company. So (laughs) yeah. I'm going to do my part. Or uh, Red Bull, which is a uh, Malaysian company. Yeah, Red Bull is Malaysian, I think. I think that's right. In any case, uh, we shall take a break here. We'll be right back. Got a special guest coming up. This ought to be interesting, as a matter of fact. It's OK Boomers. It's Andy and Alex going after you and me, Ralph. Here Uh it comes. Good luck. Here it comes. Good luck. We'll be right back with Jill Filipovich. It's either Povich or Povic. Depends. Hard to say. We'll be back Literally. with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses, not only in the Twin Cities, but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our Payment Deferment Program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great (laughs) it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? <laughs> North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. So, is this going to be the last day of the bumper music? Are we going to change it today? Um, or little by little? Yeah, I suppose we can, yeah. May as well. And stop getting pissy. Because I, I, one thing I do need to bring up, and as soon as Jill's ready, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump on with her. But you know who was... Uh, Pulled off of Twitter, Mom. the Babylon Bee. Oh, pulled him off of Twitter. Uh, it's not too political, is it? I mean, once again, I'm not even a Republican. I'm just sick to death 
of big tech running our lives from top to bottom. They're really out of control, and they all give tons of dough to the Democrats. So what I'm saying is the Democrats, you need to take care of this problem. Uh, they put Babylon B back up again because apparently they got so many complaints that they put it back up and said, oh, that was an accident. Like, yeah, no, it wasn't. No, it was not an accident. What are you, an accident? They had a great line. Babylon Bee had a great line, and the great line was Kamala Harris busy vetting VP candidates. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. Nobody's talking about Joe Biden dying or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's, they're going to find out he needs to retire. You know, so it's nothing negative about that, but they, they yank the account over stuff like that. Seriously, so you can't laugh at all anymore. Is that the? No. Is this Nazism to the nth degree because yep. it's digital? It's liberal fascism. It is. Is that it's, possible? It's Nazis. Yeah, it's, or, mean, communi- or communism. It's Marxism uh, right. or communism. It's, it's so many parallels to. It's just so to sad. The Soviet Union, where they just they can't say anything, can't do anything for nope. fear of something, uh, someone attacking you. So suppose you live in South Minneapolis, and suppose you put up a Trump sign. You won't. You, you put up Trump sign. You run the risk of having vandalism on your house. Absolutely, you do. So, it's like the brown shirts. You have. You happen to be. You happen to be a right. Jewish Jewish uh, merchant. Oh, they're going to come in and tear your business apart because you're a Jewish merchant. Yep. No, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, it's it's the fear of violence that is, is is thwarting free speech, and 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 the violence comes from people who have nothing to risk or nothing to lose. Right. No, that's exactly that's exactly it. If there's nothing for, for me to lose, then I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm not doing it because it's money, 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 money. Everything's about money now. Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. No question about it. So um, they're back up again. So apparently uh, all the fans of the Babylon Bee got after Twitter and said, what are you doing? I mean, they don't write anything that's obscene or it's just no. it, it, it tends to lean conservative. That's the only thing about it. It tends to – it's not obnoxious. You don't go, oh, my God, I can't believe or, they said that. Well, no, I think it tends to leave – it tends to lean centrist. Well, you might be right about that, actually. It tends to lean centrist. Because it is funny. Yeah, and it's and it's, and it's teasing, you know. Jill's ready to go? Uh-huh. Jill, is it Filipovich or Filipovic? <laughs> uh, kind of an amalgamation. Filipovich. Filipovich. So it is a vich. Good. Filipovich. Filipovich. Uh, see, I, I think I went with Mori Povich. That's why I got to the Filipovich Filip, instead of Filipovich. Close enough. Filipovich. <laughs> I'm going, Jill, I'm going with Filipovich. So, Jill, how old are you? I'm 37. 37. So, are you a boomer at 37? Or, no, I mean, no. A, a, a millennial at 37? Yeah. I am. Yeah, I know we think of millennials as young, but the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year. Oh, my God. I can't. I'm looking at the sweet release of death, Jill, (laughs) being a boomer, you know. (laughs) They're going to be 40 this year. I mean, it's it's sort of unbelievable, Uh, right? And the way we talk about millennials is though we're still kids, you know, and and sort of unruly teenagers um, does not reflect the reality of our lives. Okay, Jill, so as a man who was born in 1951, and you go, okay, boomer, you're talking to me, sister. (laughs) It's true, it's true. Uh, Talking to our, you know, my parents as well, um, who are you know, some of the the many, many excellent boomers who I think will be receptive n- to this. Nice try, <laughs> I like it. Uh, our son Andy is here. He's thirty three. Our daughter Alex is here, and she's thirty one. So Jill, we got a thirty one, a thirty three, and a thirty seven. 
uh, promoting the book, OK Boomer, Let's Talk, How My Generation Got Left Behind. Baby boomers are the most prosperous generation in American history. Yeah, you're welcome, Jill. That's all I've got to say. Ralph is here, too. He's a, he's a boomer, so you're welcome. Uh, but their kids are screwed. In this eye-opening book, journalist Jill Filipovich breaks down the massive problems facing millennials, including climate, money, housing, and health care. Health care has always been a problem. Housing, I want to find out about. The money issue is going to be really interesting because nothing means more to the world than now. I don't care. Jill, it's so disgusting. People will do anything for money. Has it always been that way, do you think? It's a good question. Um, I, I would imagine that it wasn't that way before money existed. <laughs> oh, you're but, very funny. Yeah, Jill. Personal <laughs> yeah, I think even Of course, of course. I think human beings have, uh, you know, always competed for resources and status. You know, yeah, I think that's what true. Is, yeah, what might be different is that, you know, millennials are facing a universe in which wealth and power is increasingly concentrated in, in ever fewer hands. And the, our generation seems to have far less you know, access uh-huh. to even the basics than our parents' generation. So why don't we start at the, the, the do you mind if I, just, if I just go section by section and ask you about it? Is that okay? Perfect. That's great. Okay, Jill, we'll start with health care. Uh, because healthcare is extremely expensive in America, much more expensive than in England or Canada or wherever. Um, and of course, the fact of the matter is, if it weren't for people who drink, do drugs, smoke, and overeat, we wouldn't have expensive healthcare. Our healthcare would cost us next to nothing. So, the, well, right? No. What do you mean? No, it is too. Okay. The rest of the, I mean, the rest of the developed world also has people who drink and smoke and overeat. Uh-huh. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend the American way of eating, which I agree with you is is not particularly healthy. Uh-huh. But I think what you've seen in the United States is that beginning in 1980, you saw the U.S. really begin to deviate from our Western European kind of economic peer countries when mm-hmm. it came to healthcare. We saw our healthcare costs skyrocket and we saw our health outcomes really uh, plateau. Whereas Western Europe, frankly, had the, they had the opposite effect. They saw their healthcare costs uh, level off and they saw their health outcomes increase and get better. Mm-hmm. And that was a political choice. That isn't just about, you know, 1980s, the year Americans all started smoking and eating McDonald's. No, no, you're right. Um, you're right. So, you know, we know that there are systems that work. And uh, when you look at, for example, you know, you bring up, um, you know, Americans uh, overeating, you know, eating processed foods. Mm-hmm. Again, part of, part of that is not just, oh, we make individual bad choices. It's also about what do people have access to and what do they have the time for? And especially when you look at families that you know, don't have much in the way of resources, um, many of those parents are also working, you know, two jobs, maybe three jobs, and there isn't the time or the ability to take the bus to the grocery store right. to buy, you know, and the money to buy the organic produce, and then the time to, you know, cook and clean up. So it is this kind of broad landscape of decisions that we've made around work and family and healthcare right. access. Right. And create this, you know, sort of complex web of challenges. Well, another problem we have, Jill, is that the United States citizens, the taxpayers in this country, pay for all the research and development for drugs in the world. Well, half. Oh, I thought it was almost all now. No, it's about half. 
Is that half now? Because it yeah. was almost all at one time. So I don't understand why we have to pay for the for the world across the board, Jill. Being a boomer, obviously I have tons of money. Don't no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so what I'm saying is basically because America picks up the tab for so many things, and tech, by the way, is making it much worse, much worse, because they're charging. They don't pay any taxes, a la Amazon. They don't pay any taxes. They don't help at all. So. It's it is political. It's very very political. I do agree with you on that, because we suck up to these big tech companies, digital companies, all these people, and it costs us a lot of money to do that, Jill. And I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know why we do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think one thing that you do see among millennials is um, a real enthusiasm for taxing billionaires. Taxing tech companies, yes. making sure Good. that the, com- you know, the, the companies that frankly exist and their founders that exist because of America's education system, um, because of the, you know, the sort of fertile landscape that we offered those folks, they were able to create their businesses and grow their businesses. And I think most millennials would say that those folks absolutely should pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jill, do you have to leave in a minute? I hope you don't, because I'm... No, no, no. Do you, do you have to leave at any particular time? Is Art, Art? Can if you can hear me, can can we have Jill for another segment? Would that be possible? Well, no. Jill, is that okay with you? Yeah, if we, I'm, I'm, I'm free and available. Okay, good, because we got three more things to go with. Uh, we got housing, money, and climate. Now that Jill has pointed out, and Tommy agrees with her. Uh, we need to start making the people pay for their own way and pay their taxes like everybody else. And I'm, we're talking big tech. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds. It's, it's going to be about a minute and a half, Jill. We'll be right back with Jill Filipovich right after this with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Andy's rocking out. It works for me. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called OK Boomer, Let's Talk. How My Generation Got Left Behind. Jill Filipovich, F-I-L-I-P-O-V-I-C is how you spell Jill's name. The book is available everywhere, certainly on Amazon. Uh, and by the way, when you buy Jill's book and they ship it to you, I'll have to pay the 2 to $3 for the shipping because Bezos won't pay for it. But anyway, just kidding, Jill. I mean, I'm a big fan of local bookstores, especially in, <laughs> uh, in the age of coronavirus when many small sure. businesses are suffering. So if you have a bookstore in your neighborhood that you love and you want to support, um, I would love it if you would give them a call and ask them to, to ship my books directly to you. I love it. Now, Jill... Uh, we may only we're gonna have to have you back sometime because we spent about ten minutes on healthcare. I want to spend a lot of time on housing, money, and climate as well. 
So if we can't finish, I'd like to rebook you for the for whatever we don't finish. How about that? I would love that. That's wonderful. Okay, housing, Jill. Where are we headed with housing? We are in big trouble with housing. Yeah. Uh, the the median home cost in the U.S. today is more than twice what it was in 1970, and that's of course adjusted God. for inflation. And Ugh. you see a similar dynamic with rent. So it costs nearly twice as much to rent the average one-bedroom apartment in the U.S. today as it did when boomers were young adults. So it's much more expensive for millennials to buy their homes, which is why you see that millennials uh, are less likely to own their homes than any young adult since young adults during the Great Depression. Really? Um, one of the, it's, it's shocking. One of the more shocking stats I came across is that black millennials are less likely to own their homes today than young black adults during the civil rights movement in the 1960s. We've actually seen black homeownership decline. So this is a, this is a huge challenge. And it's not just, you know, again, that millennials are, are spending all their money on avocado toast. It's that Yes, it we is. Are... Don't lie, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish, I don't know how expensive <laughs> that avocado toast is, but millennials are coming out of college, you know, deeply in debt. And it's very hard to think about, you know, taking out a mortgage when you already owe five or six figures on a student loan. Mm-hmm. And then when you add that into the fact that, you know, housing, as I just said, is significantly more expensive and that jobs today are increasingly concentrated in cities. And so millennials often don't feel like we have the ability to live in cheaper areas because the jobs that, you know, we've got those degrees <laughs> to be able to fill are almost all concentrated in urban environments where housing is more expensive, um, you know, we really are facing a set of circumstances that our boomer parents, just they just didn't face. You know, when my parents were in their you know, early 30s and, and bought the house that I grew up in. Yeah. If I could just jump in for a second, as far as education goes, education is so much more expensive than it was before, yet the product is, in essence, exactly the same. So, so, so millennials leave leave the uh, system with huge debt. Right. So why is education so much more expensive? Mm. Why are we paying? You know, if, if, if healthcare is more expensive, why is why healthcare? There's re- maybe reasons for that technologically, but as far as education goes, it's the same. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a couple of things that happen with the American education system. Um, boomers, when they were young adults, also went to college in record numbers. And one of the reasons they were able to go is because there was really robust uh, federal and state investment in public higher education, Mm -hmm. which made education affordable. And what you've seen is a real pulling back on that. You've also seen now a concentration of government resources into loans rather than to grants. So there used to just be essentially much more free money for low-income students. And why did that happen, Jill? uh, Essentially because... um, more conservative politicians have decided those resources are, are better used elsewhere. I don't um, think that's also, true, you know, Jill. You've you no? also Sally May, the uh-huh. uh, you know, and private lending companies no. that used to be kind of under a government umbrella and were subject to pretty significant federal oversight. It was actually <clears> under Bill Clinton that Sally May was was unfettered from that oversight and was allowed to exist, you know, essentially as a private entity. Um, which is really a moment when you then started to see skyrocketing tuition costs. Because so, when you have a private student loan lender who will give students 
you know, any amount of money, right. um, colleges certainly raise tuitions in tandem with that. So, you know, you had you had all of these things happening at once, and at the same time, you also see, uh, you know, the bottom dropping mm-hmm. out of working class wages. So, while you used to be able to work, you know, a blue collar job and support a family, for folks my age, that's just increasingly not true. And a college degree is really kind of the new high school diploma, um, the new bottom that you need just to keep a toehold into the middle class. Yeah, it's uh, the whole thing just uh, – see, Jill, in my opinion, I should tell you, by the way, that I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm kind of stuck in the middle watching them both flail away at our problems and not do anything. Uh, I will tell you this, Jill. I'm, I am 68 years old, and I have heard from the time I was five years old, we're going to take care of the little guy. And I've been hearing that now for 63 years, and they haven't done anything to help the little guy. That's Republicans and Democrats. So I don't know, what are we going to do about that, Jill? And I'm, and I'm not trying to, you know, stir the pot here. I'm just saying I'd love to see him take care of the little guy. They always promise to, and they never do. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I think right now we're in this uh, real emergency. I mean, I live in New York City, which Ooh. is a city of, of small businesses. And yeah. as much as yeah. I know, there's plenty of people kind of look at you at New York, but this is a city of small business owners. The overwhelming majority of workers in New York City work for small businesses. And yet so many of these small places, of these little guys, and this is happening all over the country, are not being supported, are not being bailed out, and are, are being left to really kind of flail and work through this on their own. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're just going to lose the life's work um, of you know, thousands and thousands of people in this country. So, you know, I agree with you. There is radical underinvestment in, yeah. you know, in the little guy, in the most vulnerable, you know, in folks who really are working hard and doing their best but aren't being supported. And I want you to know, by the way, Jill, I'm so impressed with you that I'm not even upset about the OK Boomer part anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so there the you. second part of it does say let's talk, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. That's exactly right, Jill. No, you're a, you're a terrific guest. We only got a couple of minutes. I, we have so much more to talk about. So we've talked health care. We've talked housing. What about money? So uh, money is, is, is huge, obviously. Everybody needs money mm-hmm. to live. Um, and millennials simply have less of it. You know, millennials are 22% of the adult population, and yet we only have 3% of America's wealth. Um that's when boomers were already today, more like 21%. Mm-hmm. Um, millennial incomes have stagnated. You know, millennials graduated, the older ones of us anyway, graduated college into the Great Recession of 2008. We took an income hit that we're still reeling from and that economists predict will last for the rest of our lives. And now we've been hit again by COVID-19. Millennials have lost more jobs thanks to COVID-19 than members of any other generation. Sure. Nearly 5 million of us lost our jobs only between February and May of this year. So we've, you know, we've gotten hit kind of on both ends of our adult lives as we're entering the workforce and then as we're entering our prime working years and, you know, trying to settle down and get married and buy a house and have children. Um, so we have a, both a wealth deficit and we have an income deficit. And, you know, as I said, the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year. So, you know, we're yeah. not children where we're walking our way into middle age and, we don't have the kind of stable foundation that many of our boomer parents had. And that obviously has tremendous impact on you know, whether or not we have children, where we decide to live, and what our futures look like. 
Yeah, Jill, that makes that makes complete sense to tell you the truth. Um, the money situation is—it's always been. It was kind of America for a while. You want to, you know, the streets were paved with gold, is what you heard if you were you grew up Italian in the early 1900s. You go to America because the streets are paved with gold. It was always about the money, Jill. Yeah, and you know, I, I do think that is obviously a, a sort of silly and, and shallow way of looking at it. <laughs> yes, um, yes, you know, it is. That, that, that said, we need people need a baseline, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in a country as prosperous as the United States, um, you know, I don't know that there's really any excuse for the fact that so many of us are, are struggling so hard. Couldn't agree more. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. As I said, my, my son's here. Andy is 33. My daughter's here. Alex is, is 31. And, you know, we work together, so they make a nice living and all the rest of it. But I, you still see how difficult it is for them to get get by day by day just looking at what the future holds. So, Jill, we, we already are out of the site. We have to book you again. And this time we'll start with I climate would, and we'll go you. the other way. Wonderful. I would love to come back. This you're, is a real pleasure. Well, you're terrific. Jill uh, Filipovich, actually, F-I-L-I-P-O-V-I-C. The book is available everywhere. It's called OK Boomer, Let's Talk, How My Generation Got Left Behind. Jill, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. We'll be back. Second hour.